damn my black people. We need to put our monies together. There are employees at the end of the day, the way I see it. You work for me, sir. Um, I saw a white girl say that one time when we got pulled over by the police. And she was like, do you know who my dad is? My dad signed your checks. And I was like, who is your dad, girl? Like, <laughs> and then she explained to me about taxes. And I was like, you crazy. I can't believe you even talking to this police officer like that. You're not scared? I almost beat on myself when she did. I was like, we gonna die today. That's it. And um, we didn't. And I was like, oh, okay. That's what, that's, that's, a, that's a privilege. Hi everyone, Paul here, and what you just listened to was a clip from a recent protest event held in front of the Laugh Factory in LA. It was organized by our guest on this episode, EJ Joseph, and in this conversation between EJ and Eugene, you'll hear more about their family and what they're trying to do through Amplify the Movement, a collective of black voices and allies based in LA. I so appreciate what EJ is trying to do by transforming the narrative and the messaging and the image of the protests, what the media has often tried to focus on, the violence and the looting, to one of joyful expression and art and dancing and music, what I have witnessed myself uh, very peacefully on the streets of D.C. And at the end of the episode, you'll hear a song sung by one of the performers. I think it's really a testament that there can be joy and art and solidarity during this time of great anger and sorrow and sadness. Eugene and I felt like it was so important to have this conversation and really what we think is the tip of the iceberg with the protests that have been going on in the wake of the killing of George Floyd, especially given that Father's Day is coming up and I can just, I I can only imagine what George Floyd's five children and and two grandchildren have been going through with this. It it can't be more raw than this form of family separation. But what I wanted to comment on was what EJ says about the importance of observing firsthand and experiencing what is going on on the streets to understand it. It reminds me of a quote often attributed to either Benjamin Franklin or a ancient Chinese Confucian scholar named Shenzi, but it says, tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember, but involve me and I learn. And on a very personal level, I want to challenge myself and our listeners as well to have difficult and perhaps even uncomfortable conversations with our own family members about this elephant in the room of, of systemic racism, police brutality, about the emotions and motivations behind the protests, and not just have these conversations on an intellectual level, but also, if at all possible, go and and, and bring friends and family with you to see what is going on for yourselves, to really try to understand and educate ourselves. So without further ado, here's EJ and Eugene. Today I'm here with EJ Joseph. He's an actor originally from Brooklyn, also a self-proclaimed regular dude off the streets, um, who is now starting an organization with this uh, with a couple of other people called Amplify the Movement in LA. And yeah, like a lot of our pandemic episodes, this is a bit sudden and 
it will be more casual than just a formal interview, I guess. But um, I just wanted to get his thoughts on everything that's been going on, capture the energy of this moment. And yeah, so we can just look back on it and remember this, I don't know, just like the fervor or the energy that we have right now. So uh, thanks so much for being here, EJ. Hi, yeah. Thank you for having me. It's um, it's surprising uh, being on podcasts or being interviewed and stuff like that. I mean, it's important to share stories and it's important to hear them because that's how we learn. You know, it's just like eating at a dinner table. You give me some food, I eat it, I digest it, and I take the nutrients. So that's how I all see it. Yeah, and this is also almost like a random invitation to a dinner party in that I just was trying to find anybody to talk to, and one of my friends in New York uh, knew somebody who knew you, and this was like a, like last week or so, so this was at the very, very beginning when everybody was a little bit, you know, crazy. Like, there's a lot of energy going on and, like, lots of Instagram movement, um, and my friend was like, I'll find somebody for you immediately, and then she just texted me, you know, 10 minutes later, and now we're here, so, yeah, and this is also, like, a week-ish after, so, you know, we're not as uh, amped up. But I think that we're still, I think that actually allows for some better reflection anyway. So um, we look forward to what you have to say. Um, And I really want to get out of the way and let you speak. But I'm just going to do a little bit of framing because if you are new to this podcast or have been listening to this podcast, you know that this is a podcast about family separation. And you might be wondering, yeah, you might say this is not about family separation or divided families. And that that makes sense because a lot of our episodes are more geopolitical, like we have separation of families divided by the Korean War, Mexico border, and things just that are really far away if you're American. But at the end of the day, you know, we're just working to raise awareness about human rights and the right to the human right to a family for a family to stay together. And yeah, it might be comfortable for us to look at those problems as something that's far away as Americans. But you know, black families are broken every single day here on our streets. And also they've been broken since the beginning, since slaves were first brought here. So I guess when I first started this project uh, with my friend Paul, I wanted to explore the issue of mass incarceration. Um, and just to share a little bit of, if you, like just to put an image to it, if you are still a little bit, you know, that doesn't make, like that's a stretch, like black families are not separated. I think it would help a lot if you watch the movie Just Mercy. <laughs> uh, it's about the death penalty lawyer, Brian Stevenson. It's also free for rent for the month of June. And I watched that movie back in January with my dad, which was odd because, you know, Korean American dad uh, going to watch a racially, you know, like racial justice oriented movie was a little bit weird, mostly because, you know, the older generation of Koreans are a little bit more conservative and whatnot. Um, But he said, oh, I'll go watch it with you. And there's one scene that I remember in particular that really has stayed with me, which is when Walter McMillan's character, who is, you know, being uh, charged for this crime, he's had a chance to defend himself and then he kind of loses in court again and he's about to be taken away and his son is on the other side of the I guess other side of the courtroom and he's really trying to hold himself back because if you stand up and say this is wrong or if you say just start yelling you know like letting your emotions come out you could get charged for a crime of you know not honoring the court or being disruptive so his uh, his entire family is trying to hold him back and then eventually he just cracks and he stands up and he starts yelling like that's my dad that's my dad you can't do this and then Um, that entire scene kind of explodes. And I'm sitting there watching this with my dad. And I think that we are both feeling very, very different things. So that's just, you know, one short example. And I think that that movie would kind of help you understand just the extent to which that happens in our country. Yeah, go ahead. So when you talk about family separation, um, it happens in all aspects, like in mine, even though I had a tightly knit family and my mom, she had me, she actually got a 
pregnant with me, conceived me on her first time having sex. Um, so her education was kind of like not robbed from her, but like it got pulled away from her. So her, so she went off to be a home health aide. And if no one knows what that is, it's uh, the person who takes care of your older grandma in their home, helps them mm-hmm. walk around the house, bathes them, feeds them, entertains them, takes them out on walks, um, just kind of being a buddy to them throughout the day. My mom would do that and she would do it with pride, with joy, with laughter, having a good time. But then she would get home and her energy would be really low for her children. And that meant like loving on her children. That meant speaking to her children. That meant being there, helping with homework with her children. And it's not because she didn't want to. She just couldn't because she was out of energy. She was always being on during the day, quote unquote, like just always being up and chipper and happy and then when you get home you you want to release all that energy so i think this also ties into family separation because it separated my mom from me mm-hmm. thank you so much for sharing that though like because you know i just met you too so that just is really um important for people to know i think and yeah and the last part that i was going to add just to that was george floyd's last one of his last words was mama like mama i'm through and i think that what disturbs me the most about that video and i've thought about that video a lot like lots of people have been asking why is that video the one that has sparked this movement you know there have been many other videos and for me i think the most disturbing thing is derek chauvin or the police officer was uh with his knee on floyd's neck he's just that those words don't mean anything to him you know like the family like the notion of family you would think that you know if someone's crying out for their mom like you would feel something you know as just another human being um but there's just nothing and that's just that's just kind of what gets to the heart of this, right? Like this is family separation begins because of lack of human rights or lack of human recognition. And like your family is not important or yeah, just lack of humanization in general. So um, yeah, I think that that's just where I kind of want to start. And I guess the last thing, and I really don't want to add um, a lot of my own thoughts on this. I just wanted to frame the situation, but just to add on to your point, that's just what I mean by, <laughs> I just couldn't help us to um, think about the argument over looting, like it may not be physical objects, but it's actually even worse, right? You are looted of time and energy and basic necessities and things like that. So in the situation that you just presented, it's so obviously, I don't know what kind of uh, grandparents or older people that your mom was taking care of, but if they're white, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and people um, don't, and people don't realize that people don't realize that like there are other ways of looting. You looted my whole entire life because I've always walked around being wanting to be wanted i've always walked around with my heart on my sleeve because i just kind of even though i was in a home i wanted to find a home if that makes sense and my mom is my mom is a wonderful person this Mm -hmm. is not saying like she's a terrible person but the instruction manual that america the world has given her was completely completely wrong and it's just subconscious and and it was rushed and it was a it was a lot you know people were talking about looting and rioting of items and things but don't realize that Black people are here because uh, we were looted. Mm. So, yeah, I just want to let you speak now. I mean, I think that I don't want to add any more of my thoughts, but could you, I guess we got into it, but could you little step back a little bit and just tell us a little bit about where you came from and how you ended up um, organizing some protests and just rewind a little bit and then... Well, I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I moved to California around maybe five or six years ago. I'm an actor. Um, I've always been someone who kind of like was searching and 
for emotions in him, in himself and just searching for like a place to put it. Yeah, so that's kind of enough about me. I feel like this is not about me, but one day, me and my friend Shade Sellers, we were supposed to go to our maybe our first protest. I believe it was a, it was a Monday. I think it was like uh, maybe two weeks ago or one week ago, and it was organized by a white gay male and his partner, and it was great because he has a huge following, so I knew it was going to be a big turnout, and I was really excited about it. Me and her were really excited about it, and then he posted a a story on his Instagram saying that like if you're seen looting, if there is violence, if there is rioting, we will call the police. And all hell broke loose online and they were like, what are you talking about? We're out here protesting police brutality and then as a white gay male, you go ahead and use that to throw in our face again. So all hell broke loose. He pulls out of it and it gets like dropped and I'm like, oh man, like all these people are excited. Like, you know, now all these people are discouraged and it's not even just black people. It's just all these people of his community and they can just like not go. And that story, that moment, that lesson that they could have learned kind of could have been lost. So then um, an Asian lady picked it up and she said, cool, I'm going to do it. And then at 2 a.m. the morning of, she drops out because she's like, the National Guard's going to be there and I'm afraid they're going to shoot and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a black man. I'm afraid of getting shot every day. So so me and my friend, Charlie, was just exhausted, exhausted. So you said, you know, we put a little post out and said, hey, we're going to be out there on the corner, actually on the corner of Laurel and Sunset. We we, did, we stayed away from that big intersection. They were trying to do a sit-in. I said, we're going to be on that corner and uh, maybe people come, maybe we'll just have one sign in a bottle of water and maybe a mass or two. So when we get there, we look at the Laugh Factory and they have this beautiful sign of um, rest in peace, George Floyd. And we're like, oh, let's just do it right there in front of the Laugh Factory. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be so cool. It's a huge sign. So we stand there with our sign. It was a little nerve wracking because it was only five of us. And that pressure of just holding one sign, you know, of just mm-hmm. being in danger or just being someone could just come. It was a little nerve-wracking. So a car pulls over, like, skirt. We're like, whoa, what's going on? And they start giving us gallons of water. They start giving us food. And they're like, you guys, keep going, keep going. And that kept on happening. The people in the community just came out and started giving us stuff, giving us more paper, giving us more um, signs to make. And then people outside their house started to join us in all four corners. Out of the street, by the way, we didn't block any traffic. The traffic's still going. And they're honking and honking honking and honking and honking and me and Charlie just running around trying to keep people safe because we didn't expect this you know it went from five people to 200 to 250 on a corner and it was peaceful not one not one business got um right um looted not one business got rioted not anything and it serves to show that the media is putting out the negative things and not showing the positive things which is crazy because you know how the media works, you know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. all look at it, and that's what we learn from. And so after that day, we were kind of just like, wow, that's crazy. And then Sade calls me um, before I go to bed, and she's like, we should do it again. And I'm like, oh, man, that took a lot of energy out of me. <laughs> I was like, uh, so I go, I'm, I'm headed to bed, and I'm tossing and turning. I'm trying to sleep, and I'm like, I have to do it again. I have mm-hmm. to. I have to kind of, I, I just have to, I mean, this is the biggest civil rights movement and for me not to be a part of it for me not to even give any country contribute to my own life would be awful and i like to have a son one day 
I like to see my kids run around and not have to worry about driving down the block or running their bicycle down the block or going to a store or even sleeping. So then we put a little call out for more volunteers and 20 people came in, did a Zoom call, said we're going to help out. We kind of had a system of what's going on and it turned into fabulous 500 people sitting in the street, no looting, no rioting. And then uh, Chardet said, you know what? I think I'm going to keep this going every Friday because we can't, this is not a trend. We can't just say we're out of it. It's, it we can't put it on a Target t-shirt and say, like, this is what's going on right now and it'll be over, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, that's just not our lives, you know? Um, so she said she's going to do this uh, every Friday and I'm supporting her. She's doing this at uh, Laugh Factory every Friday. I'm just bringing people together, bringing a speaker, bringing the conversation truck. I don't know if you saw the tra- conversation truck. Bringing singers, bringing everything. And I, as her best friend, was like, you know what? I want to throw a bigger movement because, you know, LA Pride kind of did the same thing. They were like, uh, we're going to turn this to a Black Lives Matter uh, thing. And then saying that we invited the police and we're like, what is going on, people? Like, your attention's here. Like, you know, what is going on? Come on. Are there no black people on your board? Are you guys not talking to black people? Are you just saying, like, I'm just going to handle it and just being the white savior and then dropping the ball? So then I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own um, organization. It's called Amplify the Movement. And it's going to be education. We're going to have children there. Um, We're going to have adults there. It's going to be sound therapy because mental health is real. I've been struggling with it this whole week. I have to find mental health through Tinder. That's how desperate I was for a place to learn what to do with anxiety, trauma, grief at the same time. But it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be hand sanitizer. It's going to be masks. It's going to be, we have a skate park. It's going to be um, a skate park. We're trying to work on a sponsor for that. We're trying to get drag queens. We're trying to get a teacher to read to children, to color, to see trans in their in their um, lives, to see disabled in their lives. It's just bringing all these people all together. It's not just about black lives. It's about black women. It's about black trans. It's about black disabled. It's about black babies. It's about all those things. And we have to come as the Asian community, as the black community, and the white community, and come learn. The only way you guys will learn if you see us, what makes us cry, if you see what makes us happy, if you see what makes us mad, if you see what makes us excited, if you see what makes us dance, that's the only way you will learn. You think that the textbooks would uh, educate us, but the textbooks are showing you what white American history is. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been learning. Uh, I mean, I already knew, right, but this whole past week, month, it's just been like, so, I mean, I know that everything that I learned in U.S. history class is a lie. Okay, not everything, but, you know, it's very almost propaganda-like, you know. Um, and it's just continually re-realizing that that was the case. It's just so unsettling to me, you know. Like, And hey, there, yeah. if you learned about Tulsa this week, I don't know if you learned about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was bombed. That's not in, that wasn't even in my textbook, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just learning that, like, I thought... I could trust everyone because I'm a person that trusts anyone. I could go to someone's house, have dinner, and it could be someone I just met two two minutes ago. I know you're talking to me because you think, like, this guy organized everything and stuff like that. But I got tired of trusting the world to take care of it because I was that person. I was that person to be like, it's going to be a better day tomorrow. And the next year, something happens. It's going to be another day, better day the next year. Then the next year, something happens. And I realized that, like, if I don't get out there, there would be no difference. If I don't get out there and touch people with my story, they don't know 
there will be no education, just no educating the ignorant. There will be no, like, I have to get out there. It makes no sense for me not to get out there because the world is not going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of me. And for me, I guess, in my experience of trying to figure out what I can do during this time, I think that even when you make that first step of, you know, I'm going to do it, like I'm going to jump over this fence and, you know, do something or this line that I've drawn in terms of safety and in terms of like, oh, I don't want to waste my time, et cetera, that kind of fear. It's still terrifying because <laughs> like it's terrifying before you jump and it's terrifying after you jump, right? So how have you kind of managed that? Has it been because of your friends that you've told that, you know, keep you accountable to continue going? Or were there particular events or stories that you might be able to share about like people you've met that kind of remind you, oh, I have to, you know, this is worth it? Or uh, Regarding my friends, I, for the most part, I lost all my close friends around me in the last two weeks because I realized that like they were here for me as entertainment and weren't here for me as family. Um, one thing I stress to the crowd is that like, if you guys be my shield, I will be your sword. And I mean that in all regards, but like, if you guys stay here and protect me, I will make that first blow. If you guys uh, make sure the sword is really sharp, if you, you know, clean it up, make sure it's nice, I promise you guys that I would do it. I met some more touching people in my DMs, in my messages, in my comments. Some of these people I have met maybe 24 hours ago, and they're like, Listen, EJ, I will postmate you food just for you to keep going on. Because I've been running around with a banana in my stomach because of mm -hmm. just my appetite. They're like, EJ, I will postmate you food. I will give you a place to sleep. I will give you this. I will just send you a message just to keep going. You don't even have to reply to it. I would just want I just want you to know, just keep going. What you're doing is touching people. People talking, people come up to me with crying, crying, you know what I'm saying? And like emotional and just saying, like, wow, wow, this was the most organized protest i've been this is the most educational process i've been this has that's what's keeping me going i don't have a close friends or that or that it's just the people it's the people it's the people coming out my neighbors it's the people um on the street it's the it's the guy the gas station guy who pokes his head out and puts his hand up in a fist that's what's keeping me going i'm feeding off of encouragement i'm feeding off of love yeah it's just the community Everybody who comes together and says, wow, 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 was that, that changed my life. That changed my life. How, how do you, I love that. And at the same time, I'm like worried for you, you know, because it's like everyone's trying to keep you going, like running forward. And it's just, I mean, you only have a certain amount of, like, there's a limit to how far you can continue going. So, I mean, today we're talking on your one break day and it's not even a break because you're talking to me, but how have you been kind of managing that and i guess do you think that that's sustainable like because you wanted to keep doing this every friday or so right to go on into the future and i think that that's really important too like sustaining the movement but there's got to be a way to do it without you know burning out right um so i'm just kind of curious about your thoughts on that and yeah uh, I, yeah. I i learned that my body is like important for me to keep going so it's every day is a learning process i'm just like what are my limitations but I have a wonderful team around me, Lorenzo, Ashley, Izzy, and they're all different. One is a 16-year-old, one is a, um, a queer um, Latinx, one is a, a bisexual black woman. It's, I have, and then we, from there, we have more teams. I realized that like we kind of have to work in shifts, you know what I'm saying? It's a marathon. It's I'm going to go until I cannot go anymore, and then I'm going to pass the baton to you. And mm -hmm. when you pass the baton, when you get the baton, you go. 
full steam ahead and then you pass the baton to someone else so yes the burnout is real and stuff like that but like the team i have around me they hand me a banana they hand me an emergency they hand me mm-hmm. they say ej here's this a um, multivitamin ej here's that here's this we all take care of each other we say the way i start off my conversations with dialogue i don't know if i started this off with you eugene but i would say how's your mental how's your physical how's your spiritual because it's very important i realized that this week that i didn't even take care of my mental when i when i thought i had my mental in control you know mm-hmm. i was in my bed crying i had all these emotions everything came down on me in one big it's just one big massive load it was just like boom and it was it was not bad it was the, also the support because i'm having my hand reach out i'm like yo let's do this together like and i want to utilize everyone's everyone as much as i can because it's important you know what i'm saying it's important to to keep this message it's, it's a web of connections as you said you met me through your friend through another friend it's a web of connections and then guess what we're gonna catch that fly yeah i think that idea that image of a relay race really helps i think that when i first started trying to figure out like what i could do to get involved i felt this huge burden of like similar to you like if i don't do something in my community like who's gonna do something you know um, i'm in a suburb outside of seattle so seattle's you know very very lots of things are happening but for me it was like what's gonna happen if i don't do anything and i was freaking out a little bit because I wasn't sure where to start and I didn't really know like what I could actually do. But I have met random people on Facebook that I've been working with, you know, like there have just been random people and I don't know, like I've never even met them in real life, some of them, but I just realized very quickly that I like me putting this huge burden on myself was kind of for no reason, right? Like I'm not alone and I don't have to be alone in this. So I think that that relay race uh, imagery is really, really helpful, especially as we look to kind of sustain it for the long run. And for the long run, I mean like rest of your lives, you know, like it's not like until the end of the year, like forever going forward. Yeah, and I guess we're running out of time. So I just wanted to ask uh, one question that one of our team members on this podcast wanted me to ask, which is um, how do you think the protests have been successful? We've seen a lot of, you know, images of rioting and whatnot, but what do you think that we have accomplished so far? I think the protests have been successful because of the redefining the word of a protest. People think a protest means rioting and looting, but no, it means coming together from all different communities, from all different places in the world, and sharing your story. I see myself as the mic, and when I say that, I mean, I'm gonna speak, I'm gonna share my story, but I'm gonna pass it on to someone who else was in that dark place with me, someone else who wasn't seen, wasn't heard. And if you follow me, you see all the wonderful stories that people are sharing, and the wonderful faces, and. The kids just running around in a circle playing Ring the Rouser Rosies with the ice cream in their hand, rejoicing and being proud and being and, and showing love and the, the people coming out with their dogs and the people coming out just to listen to a story because that story could change you. That story could shape you. That story could inspire you to bring it to your dinner table and say, listen, listen to this story. So for the people listening, if you're still kind of confused of like what's going on, I say educate yourselves. Take one day of the week, take one hour of the week to watch a black movie, to watch a a different movie than than you're used to. Let's see the things that make us mad. Let's see the microaggressions. Let's see the things that tick us off. Let's see the thing that makes us happy. Let's see the thing that makes us laugh. Let's see the children the children move. Let's see it. Let's see let's see the children jump around and just be happy because they're happy, not because they're happy because they're black. They're happy because 
they're just genuinely happy. Mm-hmm. I think that that, and I, I also thought about this when I got your text for um, the mission statement of Amplify the Movement. And I, after hearing you describe it too, I really love the word amplify and also how you described yourself as a mic. Because in our first episode of this podcast, one of the best pieces of advice that we received, this one writer that we interviewed, he said, the most important thing that I've learned uh, over the years is to amplify the stories, not tell the stories. Like, let the thing that you are amplifying still exist as in its essence. You know, don't kind of try to distort it or try to share a particular part of it. Like, you are just using your platform or raising up that voice instead of uh, changing it in a certain way. And that's what we've been, I mean, that has stayed with me. I've been trying to figure out how to do that through this podcast as well. But I'm glad that that theme is still uh existing in your movement too so i guess the last thing that i have for you is just anything else that you want people to know anything that's on your mind just kind of a free um i leave it up to you to end the thing i would like for you guys to do is to kind of to watch out to share the page because we have important things happening to educate yourselves watch avery do renee the 13th watch uh there's a i'm having a list right now but my, my brain is farting um there's the princess boy book for children, if you have a kid and you want to teach them about femininity as a, as a little boy and how it's a wonderful thing. There's a lot of things. It's just educating yourself. Educate yourself. Because when you could educate yourself, you could educate the ignorant. And um, I'll leave you on that. And mental health is real. We struggle with it. We all do. And it's just finding out what these feelings are and what this burning is doing and where our mind is. So take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Love yourself love your body because it's beautiful um if you're skinny if you're um big if you're tall if you're small love everything about it because that's what makes you shine do not and if if you're a shiny penny shine it again because you can shine even brighter than the sun i love you guys uh uh, thank you for having me eugene um from uh seattle uh yeah (laughs) uh, i appreciate you and um stay tuned stay tuned because we got some big things happening no, you got a lot of big stuff happening in the past week, you know, like, yeah, when I first read out, reached out to you, you were just, you know, I organized this one thing and now it's just, you know, taken off. So I look forward to seeing what's happening on Instagram and I will definitely let my friends in LA know. So uh, could you, oh yeah, the one thing I was going to add is could you plug your socials and stuff because people don't know. I'll add the links in the description and whatnot, but. Uh-huh. Yes. So if you can follow my personal account at EJ Joseph with an, another H at the end, so I'll just spell it out, E-J-J-O-S-E-P-H-H. And then you can follow our page, Amp the Movement, um, where we'll be holding, hosting that huge event, a block party, a moment, a, a farmer's market, whatever you want to call it, just supporting Black voices, Black businesses, Black everything, but also just supporting you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know that this is your day off, so make sure to get some rest. Thank you. We'll be on the sky. It's been a long, oh, a long time coming, honey. But I know change gotta come.